Well, open your Bibles. This is where we're going to get the information we need today. Amen? Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And I'd like to talk to you today about God's plan for the nations. God's plan for the nations. How many know God knows what he's doing? You know, sometimes we look at world events and the things around us, even in our own nation, even our own communities, even in our own families, and our own situations, say, God, what are you doing? Well, we need to get in the Word of God and find out, amen? <laughs> because if we just look at the natural circumstances, man, we can get our heads spinning. But God gives us perspective through the Word of God to understand what He's doing and what His plan is and how things are going to all work out, amen? And Jesus knew and knows exactly how things are going to work out. In Matthew 24, we're going to get an understanding, I believe, of God's plan for the nations and what he's doing in this age that we're living in. And so I really want to preach to you on Matthew 24, 14. So I think I'll just read that first, but then we're going to read it in context, beginning with the first verse. But the 14th verse, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto how many nations? All nations. nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. There's an end coming. There's an end of the world as we know it coming. An end of this age or a consummation of the age. And Jesus said it's going to come after this gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world for a witness to all the nations. Now, I want to put this in context, so let's go back to the first verse of chapter 24. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came unto him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus, look at this temple. You know, sometimes people are impressed by buildings. There's people that tour the world just to look at various buildings and the architecture and the, and the construction and all that went into it. And this was a beautiful building. As I understand, it, it was a temple that was there and that was enhanced and built upon and enlarged through King Herod. And I even read that there was gold plating on the outside of this building and the stones were white and it, so it glistened and people were impressed by this building. So the disciples said, Jesus, look at this building. And Jesus said unto them, Say ye not these, or see ye not these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one stone on another that shall not be thrown down. He says, you're impressed by this building, but you know what? It's coming down. And within 40 years of the times of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, that temple came down. The Roman armies came and invaded Jerusalem. Depending on which account you believe, uh, between 600,000 and 1.1 million Jews died during this invasion. The Jews rose up in rebellion against the Romans. The Romans came and set up against the fortifications of the city, uh, battered down the walls, came in, killed the people, and in the Exhilaration of the battle, the, the soldiers burned the temple and tore the temple down, and exactly what Jesus prophesied came to pass in 70 AD. And in verse 3 it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, 
when shall these things be? In other words, the, the, the destruction of the temple. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the end of the world. Well, those two come together. The end of the age and the coming of Jesus are together. And so they wanted to know about this destruction of the temple and the sign of thy coming. How many know Jesus is coming back? Amen. He was here. Amen. And he was born of a virgin. And he lived a sinless life. And he went to the cross. And he died for the sins of all humanity. And he was buried. But praise God, he rose again. Amen. And then he taught the disciples. I just heard a message about that. impressed my heart how he was with the disciples and taught them. And they prepared them for their ministry. And we need to be prepared for the things that God has for us. But then Jesus ascended up into heaven right in front of their eyes. And the angel says, what are you staring at? Just like he went up, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. And he said, as the lightning comes from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. He's coming literally back. Amen. And he will gather his people unto him. Amen. And he will establish his kingdom. Amen. So they ask him these questions. And it says in verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Don't, don't be deceived. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. How many have heard about some wars and rumors of wars? You know, our world, it seems like it's coming apart at the seams. Every day, there's, you know, there's a war. There's wars in Syria. There's wars in Afghanistan. Wars in the Sudan. North, North Sudan, South Sudan. All over the world, there's wars. Jesus said, you'll hear about wars. But what did he say? See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. We see that today. And pestilences. And earthquakes. Just a year ago, we had an earthquake in, in Japan that set off a tsunami. And, and the, all the stuff that was washed out to the sea is coming to the United States. It's coming to the West Coast of the United States. I mean, tremendous uh, upheavals in the nature and in the world and the governments of the world and in the economies of the world. And tremendous disasters. Even in our nation uh, this year, the tornadoes are so devastating. And uh, Katrina, and on and on we can go. And God, what are you doing? And families falling apart. And problems in our communities. Problems in churches. What's going on, Lord? What are you doing? He says, don't be troubled. The end is not yet. He said, for these are the beginning of sorrows. In the Greek, the Greek word there means also birth pains. God is birthing something. God is bringing forth something. See, we're not there yet. We're not into the fulfillment of everything that he has yet. We're in a different season, but there's birth pains, and these troubles are birth pains. They're sorrows. They're the beginning of sorrows. And then it says, and they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations 
for my name's sake. We could apply that either to the Jews or to the Christians. It's coming to pass. There's more Christians being persecuted and killed in our times than ever before in history. We don't realize in the nations of the world how much persecution is going on today. And then shall many be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. False prophets shall rise and deceive many. Well, you know, Muhammad was a false prophet. And right now, 23% of the world's population are Muslim. Exactly what Jesus said. Many shall be deceived by false prophets. And we look at it and go, God, what's going on? What are you doing? Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. It's not a surprise to him, and it shouldn't be a surprise to us. See, we need a divine perspective, and that's what the Word of God is for, to give us understanding of the things that are going on in our world. You know, sometimes we look at situations and say, God, why don't you do something? You know, the other day I was watching a, a, a movie on TV, and, and I just left the room, left it on, and my wife walked in there, and there was a preacher on there. And she immediately recognized that the guy was a charlatan, and he was preaching, and he'd actually, he's been exposed before as someone who uh, uses trickery that are supposed to be words of knowledge, and he tricks a lot of people into giving money to him. But as soon as she saw him on the TV, she recognized that his spirit wasn't right. And she said to me, why doesn't God do something about that? Well, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't know exactly the answer, but that's the way it is. Jesus said there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be deception. And Jesus talked about how in the parable of the wheat and tares, that he's going to let the wheat and the tares grow together until the end, lest the, wheats, the wheat be rooted up. So in this season, we've got this conflict. We've got this war. We've got all this junk going on all over the world and the nations of the world. But God has a plan to bring a conclusion to this thing and to bring his blessing to the nations. And you see, this book tells us what God's plan is for the nations from the beginning to the end. In the book of Genesis, God spoke to a man named Abraham. He says, get out of your country. Go to the land that I will show you. He says, I will bless you, and I will bless them that bless you, and, and, uh, and I will curse them that curse you. And he says, in you, Abraham, will all the families of the earth be blessed. So the thing that God dealt with about with Abraham was not just something for the nation of Israel, his physical descendants, but it was for all the nations of the world. God has always had his eyes on the nations. And his plan has always bring, been to bring blessing to the nations. And God called, his name was called Abram originally, which I, mean, I believe uh, means exalted father. But then he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of nations. Nations. And then God called Abraham to take his son up and to sacrifice his son. And he obeyed God in that and went to, the went to the mount and was about to slay his son in obedience, the promised son that God had given him. And the angel stopped him. And God said, because you've done this thing in blessing, I will bless you. 
I'm going to bless you because you've done this thing. And then he says, and in your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, Jesus is that seed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham, and you and I are the seed of Abraham. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob was Israel, and Israel had 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And Judah, out of one of those tribes, Judah, there was a little girl named Mary. And Mary had a baby at Bethlehem, and his name is Jesus. And that's the seed that he was talking about. So through his physical generation came Jesus into the earth, born of a virgin who came to set the captives free, to give us life and to bring forgiveness and to bring healing to the nations. And the Bible said that he died for the sins of the whole world. I met a man last week that was, uh, that's a missionary to India. This man, when he was 10 years old, he was in a Methodist church. And he was in a prayer meeting. And God took him out of his body and took him around the world to the other side of the world and showed him this nation that looked like the head of a spear. And then he saw a man that said, come and help us. And then he went back into his body and he continued to live his life and he went into education and he was, ended up being a superintendent of schools on different Indian reservations in the West. And finally, he's 68 years old or 67 years old and he retires from education. Him and his wife went on a fast, said, well, what should we do with the rest of our life? And they fasted for 40 days and they were at a, a, a meeting of ministers. And this man walked up to him and says, come to, come to India, we need your help. The same man he saw when he was 10 years old. So after he you know, lived his whole life, been a teacher all those years, <laughs> God brings that guy, that guy up before him, says, come and help us. They said, well, I think we should go to India. Now they're in India and 10 other nations of the world. They're going over there and preaching the gospel and teaching people, teaching the believers and the ministers how to reach others. They're seeing incredible signs and wonders. This couple's in their 70s, and you've never seen anybody so full of joy and full of exuberance and, you know, just so happy about life. Hallelujah. But they said, when they go over there, one of the things that impresses them most, they'll hear from, from the people after they receive the gospel, they, say, they will say, why didn't anyone... One, tell us before about this, about the Savior. Folks, this is our job. This is what we're to do. And it says in verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We see that in our, in our nation and in the world. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Troubles, troubles. Troubles. Turn your neighbor and say troubles. Now, this is the main thing I want you to get out of what I'm saying today. Don't let the things that you see going on in the world, in the nations, the problems that you see even around you, even 
in your own communities, even in your own home, the problems, the things that are going on because of all this uproar that's in the world. Don't let those things get you off course from fulfilling the one thing that God wants you to do as members of the body of Christ, which is reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see that Satan has a tactic to use these things to get our eyes off the ball and to miss the point of what we're supposed to do. Amen? We are not called, folks, to fight with the world. We are called to reach the world. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Sometimes we have thought that our job as Christians is to battle people because of what they're thinking and what they're doing. You know what people are doing? They're doing exactly what's in their nature to do. Sinners sin. You know what the cure of that is? Salvation through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. We need a spiritual awakening. But if the church is going down the wrong path and emphasizing the wrong things, we're not going to get there. Did you know our nation, this is not the first time that we've gone through some of the things that we're in. I read about our, the condition of our nation in the 1850s. In the 1850s, there was a tremendous economic problem in the United States. There was a problem with a playboy philosophy. There was a huge problem with greed. You know, the, the, ha the haves and the have-nots were getting further and further apart. I mean, it, the political situation was in upheaval. The churches were a mess. And somebody said, we need to pray. I think we heard that this morning. Somebody said, we need to pray. And there was a, a businessman named Jeremiah Lamphere who was in New York, and he said, well, we've got to pray. So he printed up some flyers and went passing around, says, prayer meeting at noon tomorrow. Come. So he went to this, I think they had a church that, where they were going to have this prayer meeting. And he went there, and he waited. Nobody showed up. But finally, six people came and showed up for that prayer meeting. And they began to pray. They began to pray. And they repented of their sins. And they began to call on the name of the Lord for their nation. And they began to pray. And the next day they began to pray. And the next day they began to pray. And that thing began to grow. And then it began to be not just one prayer meeting, but prayer meetings all, all over the city. And it began to spread throughout the land. People began to pray and to begin to repent. And God's people began to come alive. And, that na and the nation changed. Praise God. And God delivered them from the economic problems that they were in and began to heal the land. And the Bible said, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Folks, church, we are, what, we are the salt of the earth. We are what this nation needs, but we've got to stay on task. We've got to do the spiritual things and not allow the devil to divert us from what we're called to do which is to live for Jesus, be filled with the Holy Ghost, pray, and preach the gospel in all the world. Amen. That's our job. So don't let Satan get you off track with natural thinking. One time the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said these words to me. He said, destroy not the anointing. 
I go, whoa, you know, I'm in the ministry and I love God. And I, I don't, that's the last thing I want is to, for the anointing to be destroyed. So it scared me a little bit. He said, destroy not the anointing. I says, how does a person destroy the anointing? You know what he said? He said, by the natural thinking of the natural man. If you think like everybody else does, it'll destroy the anointing. You've got to have some anointed thinking. You've got to get the word of God, amen, to renew your mind. You've got to think in line with God. And God thinks about the nations, amen. And this is a nation right here. When we say the nations, you might think, well, we're talking about India or something. Yeah, it's India and here. You know, those disciples, they were always thinking in the natural too. That's why they were, they were asking him about this kingdom. After he rose from the dead, they said, well, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, well, it's not for you to know about it. Don't worry about it. But he says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why I like this church, because you're, you're taking care of Jerusalem or Shell Lake and this territory and this state and the nation, but you're also reaching the world, and that's what we should do. Amen? Yes. That's what we should do, because we're the body of Christ, and that's the Lord's instruction for us. He says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all the nations, and then shall the end come. And we are seeing the fulfillment of that in the world today. Do you realize how much has taken place in world missions in the last 200 years? A man named William Carey, back in 1792, gave a sermon in Nottingham, um, England, to a group of ministers, and talked about how neglectful the church had been to reach the heathen in the foreign lands. And out of that sermon began a movement called the, the, Baptist, the Baptist Society for the Propagation of, of the Gospel Among the Heathens. That's what they called it. They, they raised money like uh, Pastor Virgil. You're good at raising money, I think. You know. they, were, they must have been good. They used a cigar box, and they put the money in there. And that was the beginning. That was the, the war chest. And they began to send out missionaries. And William Carey was one of the first ones, and he went to India. And that was the beginning of the, the modern missionary movement. We have seen multitude, millions of people all around the world come to Jesus since that time. Jesus said, this gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness, and then will the end come. This is what God's wanting to do. Amen? And this is why what's going on right here in this church and through your lives as believers and, and believers all around the world, that's why it is, it is more important than anything that's going on at the UN or in the capitals of the world. I don't, I don't say that's not important. That's important. But the most important thing is that Christ's body will do the work of God and fulfill the Great Commission and do what we've been called to do. Can I have an amen today? And he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the land. You know, when we talk about the gospel of the kingdom, sometimes we think, well, that's some kind of unique gospel. That's something new. I've even heard someone say that that was, some Jewish believers are going to preach this gospel of the kingdom in the end times. And 
and then the end will come. No, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Philip preached the gospel of the kingdom. You know, when, when he went down to Samaria, the apostles preached the gospel of the kingdom, and we're supposed to preach the gospel of the kingdom today. Now, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, the first thing you know about a kingdom is when there's a kingdom, there's a king. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of the rule or the dominion of God. And the king of the kingdom is Jesus Christ. Remember when he came into Jerusalem and said, you know, uh, behold, your king comes to you riding on an ass. The king, King Jesus, came to town. Amen. And King Jesus is ruling and reigning. When Jesus began to preach, uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15, he came in and began to preach the kingdom of God. He says, the time is fulfilled. The time is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then what did he say? Repent ye and believe the gospel. You know, that's, to me, that's doctrine right there. That gives me an understanding of what we're supposed to preach and what we're supposed to do. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And we need to hear that today in the pulpits in America. Repent ye and believe the gospel. I found in my own life I could believe the gospel, not true biblical faith, but I could believe in what Jesus did on the cross and still not come into the kingdom of God because it also requires repentance. Salvation requires repentance. What do you mean repentance? I mean turning away from sin and turning to God. Amen. Turning away from sin and turning to God. You know, I was, I was preaching, Pastor Virgil, I was preaching in a church in Canada. This was when I first went into this evangelistic. I was a pastor for 22 years. And I, and I had a meeting in, in Brandon, Manitoba. And I was preaching a Sunday night meeting. And we were having a good time. I was preaching about salvation and healing and I was presenting Jesus as the Savior, and Jesus as the healer, and Jesus as the coming king, and Jesus as the deliverer, and all these things. And after I was done, I mean, we had a good time. The Holy Ghost was in it. But I gave an altar call, and it was like it was just dead as a doornail. I said, Lord, what's going on? It just doesn't feel right. And the Lord said to me, you know, you presented me as Savior. You presented me as healer. You presented me as deliverer. You presented me as a coming king, but you didn't present me as Lord. Folks, I come to tell you, Jesus is Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. And we come into the kingdom when we make him Lord. And our job is to keep him Lord. And the way that his work is done in our lives and in the body of Christ and his worldwide work it's done as we obey the Lord and follow him. Just like Abraham, he went out. He says, get out of this country, go to another. He went out, amen? It's the same thing. We obey the Lord, we follow the Lord, and then things begin to break loose and release comes. The kingdom of God is, comes in power. The, another aspect of the dominion of God is power over devils. 
Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, then is the kingdom of God come near unto you. So if the finger of God is driving out devils, the kingdom of God is coming forth. So what is that? That's a conquering spirit. That's the spirit that we're supposed to be operating in in this age. Yeah, we're supposed to be going forth more than conquerors, see, because we have the name that's above every name. Remember what Jesus said when he gave the Great Commission? He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. When he told them in Mark, he says, in my name, they will cast out devils. Dominion. You see, this is our role, our function. We're to go forth with the gospel, this conquering message of the conquering king, and we're to set the captives free. We're to bring deliverance. Amen. Hallelujah. You've been empowered to be a witness, he said in Acts 1.8. So don't be distracted. Don't waste that power on something that's not that important. I, I pray that God has touched your heart to understand that he has a purpose for your life. You're in a church that has a vision to reach the world. Just whatever you're doing, you know, you're part of it. Pray, believe, live a holy life. Amen. Touch the world around you. Let it flow out of you to your neighbors, even in your own home. There's evangelism to do, be done in our own homes in many cases. But it all starts with letting Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. Can I have an amen? amen. We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at tomshanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.